today, uh, the topic of today's message is, uh, comes from the mouth of Jesus himself. It says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Uh, I will read these three verses and then I will split these verses and we'll talk about uh, uh, each of them uh, individually. Because there's a lot in this small little passage. Uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. And it reads, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I I want us to reflect on that uh, for a little bit because, you know, we live in a time where burdens are many. We've got so many things that are too much for us to bear. Am I the only one in here today? that there are some things in life that are too much for me to bear. There are some things that some of us have encountered, even as in our childhood, that we've been trying to bear for our entire lives, and we found ourselves unable to do so. There are people uh, in bondage to addictions, whether... I won't get into specific addictions, but there are people who are bondage to addictions. There are people who are in bondage to to hurts and traumas and things that have them embroiled in bitterness and unforgiveness, inability to trust, have people struggling in bondage to anger that is just beyond their ability to control. Because there's something deeper under the surface of the anger that is unresolved. Something that I know as a man, there are so many things, you know, growing up, you know, I was taught, you know, that a man just swallows things and handles things. It's what a real man does. You deal with it. You get over it. You move past it. You know, you think that you know, we can't weep, we can't cry, we can't whine, right? Because that's just not what, you know, the Terminator would do. It's not what Rambo would do. That's not what Dirty Harry would do. I'm, da- I'm, I'm dating myself here. You know, and we have these images of manhood, what, what, what manhood is and what a strong man is. You know, that aren't rooted in biblical truth. It's a societal definition and a societal expectation that sets us up for failure. Sometimes we need help. We're in a season in life where we can't provide for our families. We can't keep the lights on or put food on the table, but... Pride prevents us from being able to reach out for help. 
because you've got to be self-sufficient. You've got to be able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, which I don't even know how that's possible. That's a dumb statement. And all of that leads us to believing this notion that we are able or should be able if we are of merit, if we are real strong individuals that we should be able to carry these burdens that we're not meant to carry. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to sit on our backsides like a lump of lard and do nothing, but we've got to realize the source of our strength. Not what the source of our strength is, but who. But we have a society full of people being heavily laden. I think deep down everybody wants to be good. Everybody wants to be able to be considered a good person. And and we're looking at over our lives and we're looking at the sum total of what we, the good that we do versus the bad that we do. And we want that to balance out to equal out that we're a good person. And there are some things that we do that we wish we could undo, but but we can't. And it weighs us down because we somehow can't forgive ourselves over some of the things in our lives that we've done. Can anybody, am I speaking to anybody this morning? And Jesus gives us a wonderful invitation. He's talking to all of us burden bearers. All of us who are weighed down with loads that are too much for us to carry. He's saying, stop trying to carry it. There is a solution for you. Come to me. All of you. Come to me. It's interesting, he's talking to a crowd of people that have already in present in front of him. So there's something deeper than just be present. He's not saying just come to church. He's not saying just read your Bible. He's not saying just listen to Pastor Cornell. What he's saying is rooted in relationship. He's saying, come to me. More than your talents, more than your intelligence, more than what you can do for me is, Jesus is saying, I want you. I want your heart. I want your devotion. I want your commitment because I'm committed to you. I want your devotion because I'm devoted to you. 
I want your heart because my heart adores you. Right? I want relationship with you. Come unto me. He's saying, if you do that, I want, I want all of you, right? I want you and your whole family. You don't have to hide the crazy uncle from me. You don't have to hide, you don't have to hide the warts or the, 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 the uncomely parts of your life. I know it all anyway. And I want you to bring it all to me. All the unflattering stuff, all the weight and all the burden that you've been trying to keep hidden from people because you don't want to be judged by them and, and, and you just don't want to see it. You don't want to think about it. You just want to forget about it, but you can't. And it surfaces at the wrong moments in life and, and it leads to you're doing things that you didn't see yourself doing. And Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Mm. If I believe it's going to take humility for us to really surrender. Stop trying to earn something and just surrender it to Jesus. And there is good news in the gospel for us. John 1 verses 12 and 13 say this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Those are people who came to him, right? What does it mean to come unto me? It's like, come to me in faith. Become a child of God. Commit your ways, commit your life to me. Come unto me all the way, not halfway, all the way. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 3 verse 3 says this, Jesus answered him, talking to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus die on the cross? So that we might be born again. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because God loves us. And like that song said, he did not want heaven without us. And I'll just quote John 3, 16 and 17. John 3, 16 is quoted often. Uh, it ought to be quoted more often in conjunction with verse 17, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world 
to condemn the world. There's a lot of condemnation going on out there. Unfortunately, there's a lot of condemnation going on in the name of Christ. But he didn't come here to condemn. He came here to save. Right? And so, and, and, and that's good news in that. And the, the world needs to hear the gospel message of who Christ really is, why he came, why he did what he did, and what that means to you. Okay? Because he's saying through the cross, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, all who are bearing that unbearable sin debt, who are weighed down with a sin debt that's too much for you to carry. Well, I carried your sin debt for you. Right? And, and, and I did away with it through the cross. And all you need to do is come to me, Jesus is saying, to relieve yourself of that unbearable sin debt, the load of that. You can't carry it. You want a clean conscience? Let Jesus clean it. Amen? For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Praise the Lord. And now let's go on to, back to Matthew 11 and let's do verse 29 and 30. Because there's an invitation by Christ to do two things. One is come unto me. To come unto me. Enter into relationship with me. Make me the Savior and Lord of your life. And then in verse 29 and 30, he says, take my yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to get into Greek and Hebrew and, and all that stuff. Uh, so I'll spare y'all all that. This here is nuts and bolts. This here is, you know, steak and taters. This, this is simple, substantive truth. All right? You know, and there's no need to, no really need to, to complicate it or to muddle the message in any way, right? And so, you know, I don't know if uh, I gave it to them really late, so I don't know if they're able to put the pictures up there. But, you know, back in Bible times, they would have understood what a yoke is a lot better than what we would do in, in, in our turn. But it was pretty much a harness, a wooden harness uh, that allowed, that made it easier for oxen to bear a load. And uh, oftentimes the, the, the yoke was a double yoke where two oxen could be harnessed together and make, it, make the, a hard load an easier load to bear, right? And so Jesus is saying, take up on, he's not saying just take up on any yoke. He's saying take up on his yoke, right? And what we need to realize is that all of us are yoked to something. Before we come to Christ, we are yoked to sin and death. Right? 
We can be yoked to, uh, to, to anything. We could be yoked to a bad relationship. Again, we could be yoked to addictions. You know, we could be yoked to political ideologies. Yes, I said it. Right? And a lot of times those yokes are putting things and challenges and demands on us that's too much for us to handle. Oftentimes, we are pulled away from what the Lord would have us do, what would be pleasing to him, and we're pulled into what is pleasing to the flesh. But what he is saying is, look, discard, take off, do away with the yoke that is overburdening you, and take upon yourself a better yoke. Because whatever you're yoked to, you're submitted to it. So that yoke represents submission. Whatever you're yoked to, you're submitted to. Whatever or whoever. And so the yoke, I'll just say yoke represents submission. So so the Lord is saying, look, turn away from those other things you're submitted to, renounce it, and instead be in submission to me. Commit to me. Devote yourself to me, to learning the truth of my word, to allowing your heart to be convicted by it, and and, and you repent when you hear that truth, and committing to walk in the way of the Lord. And you'll find rest in that. I said you'll find rest in that. Right? That message is applicable to those of us who know the Lord too. Because we're still growing in faith and we're not walking with him in every aspect of our lives, but we should be. As his sons and daughters, as his ambassadors and representatives here in this earth. As his hands and feet to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world to a world burdened with loads too big and too heavy for them to handle. They need hope. They need peace that only Jesus can give. Are you hearing me? So Jesus invites us into relationship in verse 28, and he tells us, He'll give us rest. Then he invites us into a discipleship relationship because a a relationship of submission in which he disciples us. That's what he's saying when he says, take upon you my yoke and learn from me. Uh, Pastor CJ used to say, don't come to me just for fire insurance. You know, don't go, don't go to the Lord just for fire insurance to avoid the lake of fire, right? Come to him because he's revealed the truth of who he is to you, right? And, 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 and you've tasted and seen, you recognize his love for you and what he's done for you, and, and, and you embrace all of that. 
right? You accept the gospel, you embrace his son as your Lord and Savior, and you want eternity with him, right? So, 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 so we come to him because we love him, and we love him because he first loved us. So he wants us. That's how he wants us, right? In that, in that love is that commitment and devotion to one another. If we're just coming to him because we're afraid, I'm not so sure about this, but if it's real, I want to avoid fire insurance, then, 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 then we're making a deal, right? There, 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 there's a deal. There's a business transaction, and he wants a deeper, more intimate relationship than that. So come to him. And submit to him. Take upon you his yoke. Take upon you my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, there are many times in my life where although I wanted rest in my soul, it seemed to be unattainable. Because the rest that I wanted, I was trying in my own ways to attain it. And I'd given my, I'd given my life to the Lord, but I was still learning how to be submitted to him. I was still learning to hear him and to walk in, uh, walk through life being led by his spirit, right? Being led by his, the truth of his word. And so there was peace available to my soul that I was not being able to attain because I wasn't submitting it to the Lord. Once I submitted to God, once I took it to him in humble submission and just yielded to him and, and, and committed to trusting in his way and how he wanted to deal with my life, God led me in directions that yielded peace for my soul. I had to give it to him. <laughs> you know, and I've given the testimony of how my, me and my wife met before, right? I had not yielded relationships to God. I, I, in my mind, I had that part. I needed God for everything else. But my relationships, every one of them was a wreck. And there was nothing but pain and, and suffering in its wake. And when I finally yielded to God and said, God, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I failed at every level in this. Uh, I'm, I'm yielding this. I, 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 heard, I, you, I heard a message that said, there is that one that you have for me. And if she exists, if she's there, all I ask you to do is make it clear to me who she is and I will pursue her. And I won't pursue anyone until. And fortunately, God revealed who she was at a time where I was beginning to waver on that commitment. It's like, Lord, nah, maybe I need to get out there and pursue. Maybe God will help God direct me. But God made, I was in study hall, studying. And she happened to be in the same study hall room. And I felt the Lord say, Look up. I looked up, and there she was. She's under the light. Oh. Just studying away. Studying away, oblivious to what was going on. 
And the Lord said, she's the one. I said, yes, Lord. And from that moment on, I pursued her. Two years later, we were married, right? Only woman I brought to my mom that she ever accepted. And I went to mom with weak knees because when mom didn't accept them, she didn't wait till they left and said it behind her back. She said it to their face with them standing right next to me. And so the fact that I knew she was the one, I was nervous going to mama, but mama loved her. And I was like, well, God, this is the one, you know. But there was no peace there until I submitted that to the Lord. Right? Because that was an area of my life that was not. I had not come to him in that area. I had not take upon, taken upon me his yoke in that area. But when I did, I found rest for my soul. Amen? And so I want to encourage anyone here, if there is an area in your life where you're not experiencing peace, you know, you, you, you need to... Uh, Evaluate whether or not you have surrendered that area of your life to the Lord completely. Have you come to him in that area of your life? Have you yoked up with him in that area of your life? Because I can guarantee you when you do, there's a peace of God that passes all understanding that's going to give rest to your soul. The same with those who may not know the Lord. There is a peace in him that you cannot know apart from him. All these burdens, all these things that, you know, that make you look uh, I guess dejectedly or whatever at that person in the mirror. You can't look at yourself in the mirror without seeing the history of things that, that you've done, that you wonder if God would accept you. You wonder, you know, if there is hope for you in the Lord. You know, are you good enough? And I can tell you, and I'll say this with all love, uh, apart from Christ, none of us are good enough. So, no, you're not good enough. Not in and of yourself. All right? Because it's not about merit. It's not about us earning our way or earning favor with God, right? We are beloved of God. He is our creator, right? And so it is his desire that all of us come to repentance, that none of us have to spend eternity separated from him, all right? And he sent his son Jesus on the cross to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we would be redeemed and reconciled to him, right? So if you're looking at your deeds, wondering if you're good enough, I'm going to tell you no. Because scripture says all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. But it's not about your deeds. It's about your heart. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. He loves you and your faults and all, right? It's about your heart. So if you want to know if God will accept you, unequivocally, 
yes. He already accepted you, and he proved that through sending his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. That's how bad he wants. Because if it wasn't for that, we, none of us would have hope. There'd be no way for us to be reconciled to God apart from Christ. But thanks be to God, he sent Jesus, and Jesus died on, died on the cross on our behalf. Right? And the Bible says that he, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. The joy was us coming to the Lord. Right? That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. He wants us to come to him in relationship. We were created to be in relationship with our God. Right? And, and, and many of us have been deceived, you know, through messaging and stuff out there in the world that, that, that points us to other sources for relationship. That points us to other sources for things, those voids in our soul that only God can fill. So if you're here today, you have such a void. You're in the right place. You simply need to come to Jesus. Enter into relationship with him. And submit. Submit and devote yourself to him and you'll have peace with God, and find rest for your soul. I have a few more uh, scriptures to share uh, with you. I want you to go to uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Y'all know one of my uh, favorite passages. I'm going to skip this one uh, this time. Uh, but one of my favorite passages is Philippians uh, 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Believers, we should be taking everything, every care, every consideration to God. In prayer, with thanksgiving. And there's a promise of God in that. That's why I love it so much that the peace of God that passes all understanding doesn't even make sense will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, say this, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him. Uh, I, I would include casting all your anxieties or casting all of your burdens or all of your weights that are too much for you to bear. On him because he cares for you. I want you to know God cares for you. He's not up there distant, 
you know, looking at your ledger, all right? Pat on the back when you do good, hammer of God when you don't. He cares for you. And some, you know, in that care, he's going to do what's in your best interest, whether you want that or not. And what do I mean by that? You know, there's a lot of things I ask God for that looking back on them weren't godly, uh, um, weren't godly uh, prayers. They, they, they weren't God's best for me, right? And God loving me, caring for me, didn't give me the answer to those prayers. Well, he gave me an answer. I didn't realize. I, didn't, I wasn't hearing no then. I just thought that if I didn't get it, he didn't answer. But now I know he did answer, and he said no. So praise God for unanswered prayers. Hmm? I, I, I know technically they are answered. Yes, thank you, sweetheart. But from our limited perspective, they were unanswered if we didn't get what we wanted. Right? So God in his goodness didn't give it to us. We automatically assume that if we didn't get it, he didn't answer. Then we wonder, did he really hear? Did he listen? Is he listening? All those other things, right? Because we're looking at it from our carnal perspective. But we got to realize that if we're submitted to him, Right, And we are learning from him. He's directing our lives. He is our king. He is our Lord. We are harnessed to him, and he's the lead ox. He's teaching us how to walk in his way. And, and as he has us on the path that he's marked out for us, he is not going to allow those things that would, that, that would deviate, cause us to deviate off the path. Right? And we need to understand that. We need to welcome that. We need to want and desire that. Lord, I want your will for my life. And I'm praying, and I know the scripture says that you'll give me the desires of my heart and so forth, but I pray that the desires of my heart are in line with your desires for me. And where they deviate, Lord, where they deviate, I do not want the desires of my heart. And I believe that's where we need to be with God. And, and just entrust him fully to that, you know, where we can even say, thank you, Lord, for the no. Because we can trust him that he's faithful and that he cares for us and he loves us too much to give us something that's going to be a hindrance to us. And so we can be content and, and thankful to God in that. So, um I wanted, uh, I wanted to say that. Go on to Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why, do I, why did I put that in there? Because he's asking you to take his yoke on you, right? And if you take up on his yoke, all right, he is never going to unyoke himself from you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you, right? And so he's promised that, and he's faithful to his promises. So I want to keep on. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, or because, everybody say so, we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear 
what can man do to me? But we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. He's committed to me. This is not a if-then-then-that relationship. He's committed to me. If I surrender, submit myself to him and enter into a relationship with him, he has promised that he will never leave me nor forsake me. So I can confidently say he's my helper. I can confidently say he's devoted to me. I can confidently say he's committed to me. I can confidently say that there is not a situation I can, I can endure or a place that I can be or a storm of life that I can be embroiled in where he is not there with me. And if he's with me, I have hope. If he's with me, I'm going to make it through. If he's with me, he's provided a way of escape, a path. For me to overcome and have victory in this situation. Are you hearing me? My hope is with me. Let us not ever see ourselves in a situation without picturing God in that, pre- in that situation with us. Because to do anything otherwise would be to uh, disregard a wonderful promise of God. That he will never leave you. Don't forsake you. Psalm 139, I'd recommend it to anyone because it says, where can I go from his presence? You know, whether I go down to shore, whether I go to heaven, whether I go to the ends of the earth, there is nowhere that I can go that God is not also with me. And we need to remind ourselves of that because some situations can get us down in the dump. Some situations have us so deep in the pit, we feel like that there's no way out of them. We can quickly feel like we're in a prison from which there is no escape. But if we remember that God is with us, then we can be like Paul and Silas. We can start worshiping in that prison. And the doors and the cells of the, the doors of the cells are just open. Because nothing can contain us with, if God is with us. Nothing can contain us that God doesn't want to contain us. Amen? And I love that story because God opened the doors of those prison cells and not a single person left. Paul and Silas weren't supposed to be there for the reasons that they were there. They were railroaded into that prison. And yet God used them to save the life of the uh, jailer and his entire family. He got the gospel preached to him, and he and his entire family came to the Lord. Who knows why we go through some of the things we go through. But if we yoke up with the Lord and submit to him in all things, God can use us to do things that we never thought possible. They were in the jail cell, wrongly convicted and and, and imprisoned, and yet saw a miracle of God. That they were 
a part of, that God used them to bring somebody into the kingdom. And what did they do? They were so devoted to Jesus, even in the prison cell, with their backs still bleeding and still in pain uh, from the lashes that they received, in shackles both in ankles and feet. And what did they do? They start worshiping. They praise and thank the Lord. Doesn't look like they had much to praise him for, to thank him for, but they knew more than we did. Right? We're reading their story. They didn't have any, they didn't have this to read. They're living this. And they were, that's an example of being yoked up to Jesus. They submitted to him even in that. As hard as it was, they kept themselves in the harness, in the yoke, yoked up with Jesus, submitted to Jesus in it. And he provided a way of escape. And he used them to change the life of an entire family. Amen? Uh, so, so that was awesome. So he will never leave you even in the prison cell. <laughs> he will never leave you even in the hardship of your circumstances. He will never leave you or forsake you. So you can confidently say that he is your helper. Are you hearing me? All right. And again, for those who may not know the Lord, Romans 8 verses 3 and 4 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. It wasn't any problem with the law of God. God's law was perfect. But the flesh of man, right, we were unable to live according to the law. And if you fail to live up to any part of the law, then you were guilty of the whole law. Talk about unbearable burdens. If you fractured the law, you were guilty of breaking the whole law, and you were guilty of the punishment of law, which the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But it says, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son, which is Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, Christ suffered in his flesh what we should have suffered in ours, right? He, he took our place and suffered on a cross. So that he could fulfill the righteous requirement of the law on our behalf. Right? That's how much God loves us. He did it. He did what we could not do for us so that he could get our imperfect selves. It doesn't seem like a fair deal. But God treasures us. So it's, it means the world to him. Amen? So whose flesh bore the condemnation? Hmm? It says here in verse 3 that condemned sin in the flesh. Well, whose flesh suffered the condemnation? Jesus's. His flesh suffered the condemnation. 
whose sins were being condemned? Ours. And so that takes me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, which is often referred to as the great exchange. It says, for our sake, he made him, being Jesus, to be sin. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. But God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You want to know how much God loves you? He sent his son to become sin for you. So that if you do what Jesus beckoned us when he invited us at the beginning of this message to come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If we but just come to him fully, just, just bring ourselves to him and give him our heart, devote ourselves to him. In Christ, we become the righteousness of God in him. That's, I tell you what, if you're ever struggling for a reason to be thankful, remind yourself of that. If there's not a whole lot in your life for which you can say, thank you, Lord, remind yourself of that, that Jesus became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? That great exchange, that wonderful exchange where he welcomed, he, he uh, lovingly brought upon himself our sin and, 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 and imbued us with his righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Uh, that, 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 that ought to evoke a praise and a thanksgiving at any, at any moment in life. Amen? We thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. That's, and that, that's the gospel. Isn't it? In a nutshell, that's the gospel message. God loved you so much, he sent his son for you. He sent his son to become sin for you. And if you would give your heart to him and devote yourself to him, him who became sin for you will make you the righteousness of God in him. And you can be in reconciled relationship with your heavenly creator, your heavenly father. That is the gospel message. Uh, and just to, as I begin to wrap things up here, that, that takes me to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Uh, very familiar passage to a lot of you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. It's, salvation is God's gift to us, not something that we can earn. Are you hearing me? And so, we are saved by grace, the grace of God, through faith where we just acknowledge to the Lord that, yes, Lord, I agree with your word. I am a sinner. If you're not in relationship with God through Christ Jesus, 
confusing, then I am a sinner and uh, I am under the penalty of the law. I have broken the law of your commandments and therefore the wages of that is death, is eternal separation from me. You know, acknowledging that, the weight of that, it really puts us in the right position where we can really appreciate the beauty and the wonder of the gospel message, right? That we can really appreciate what Christ did for us. Because I stand condemned. Apart from Christ, I stand condemned in my sin. But Christ came and bore that condemnation on my behalf. And because he did, if I receive him as my Lord and Savior, then because of what he did in conquering the cross and conquering death and sin and being raised again on the third day and is seated at the right hand of the Father, proving that he, in fact, was God come in the flesh, that's the only begotten Son of God, the Lord and Savior of the world. He is the Messiah, right? He is the one who can save us from our sins, right? And so we stand condemned in our sins apart from him, but thanks be to God that he so loved us, he sent us Jesus. And he bore that condemnation in order that we might receive his righteousness by faith. So if you yoke yourself to Jesus, He saves you to the utmost. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the final uh, passage that I'm going to share with you today is the two-verse passage in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. I want to leave you with this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. I want you to know Jesus can sympathize with every struggle, with every temptation that you have to bear, with every feeling. With every trial. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he may, he may, not, have, he may not have gone through the exact same scenario that you went through, but any, any category of temptation that you could endure, that you can face, he has had to endure it. And he did it successfully. He did it without sin. Uh, if, he, if he were not able to do that, he would not have been a worthy sacrifice for our sins. So he bore it all. There's not a thing you can go through that he is not able to relate to. Right? There's not a thing you can go through, a thing you can feel, a thing that you can express or have to deal with that he is not able to relate to you because he felt the, 
the weight of that himself. And in so doing, he is our hope because we can, because he endured it, we in him can endure it also. Where we lack strength, we can draw from his strength. And in his strength, in his ability, in his power, he will enable us to endure what we're going through in a way that glorifies the Lord. So, verse 16, let us then with confidence, everybody say with confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? That's, that, that's what we need to be doing, right? If you are in a time of need, then we need to draw near to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy that will help in a time of need. Are you hearing me? God is available to you in your time of need. Praise the Lord. And I... I'm, I'm talking to you, too, who are watching on Facebook Live. God is with you right where you're at. Whether you're sitting here in this sanctuary or sitting in your living room or, you know, watching on your bed, where, kitchen, wherever you're at, patio, God is with you and available to you. And you, just, and you have to remember, come to him. Yoke yourself to him. And you can trust Jesus with your life. You can trust him with your guilt. You can trust him with your self-condemnation. You can trust him with your pain. You can trust him with your anger. With your... uh, Oh, how many times in my, in my, as I was growing up, did I make these inner vows? They're rooted in judgments against my parents or whatever. Say, so, hey, when I'm when I'm grown and I, I when I have kids, I'm never. Or I'll always, you know, and so we have those inner vows that come out of hurts. And, and a lot of times we don't even realize that those things are triggers that are driving us and motivating us to, to behave in ways that are excessive, uh, given the situations uh, in which they were expressed. So, but we can trust Jesus because he says, if you take my yoke upon you and learn of me, you can do this because I'm gentle. Jesus is gentle. Yes, you're going to have to submit yourself to him, but, 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 but you're submitting yourself to a gentle master, a, 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 a gentle Lord. Because I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart. I'm meek. I'm humble. Because to die for our sins, he really had to humble himself, didn't he? And finding himself in likeness as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the death of the cross. Right? 
And so um, he learned obedience to the things that he suffered is what scripture says. But he says, these are qualities of our Lord. The one who's asking you to take his yoke upon you, he's saying, I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let us remember those qualities of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We don't, he's, he's, not, he's not against us, he's for us. He's not trying to tear us down. He's, 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 he's there to lift us up, right? He's not there to curse us. He's there to bless us, right? He, you know, it's, it's, it, if we let him lead us, if we will submit to him and follow him, there's a lot of areas in our lives in which we lack peace, and if we lack rest, that he'll give us rest. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of places are doing, doing this these days, but I think we can do it and still stay, social, stay socially distant, you know. But uh, first things first, I just uh, want to give that invitation to come to the, the throne of grace. Um, I see some some new faces in the crowd, and and I don't I don't know where you're where you're at with the Lord, and and uh, so I'm going to extend an invitation to you, the same invitation that Jesus extended to you during this message, for you to come to Jesus. If you're weary. I, I know you're weary. I, I know I don't. I don't know what kind of burden that you've been bearing in your life. But heavy burdens can only be carried for so long. And maybe you're here today because the Lord and His goodness has been orchestrating the affairs of your life so that you could be right here, right now in this location, on this day, and hear his invitation for you to come and give your life to him. I, I, I don't want you to feel pressured to. I want you to strictly be responding to the invitation of the Lord. But if there's anyone here who is ready to come to Jesus, then by faith, come on up and come up and stand in, uh, in, in front of the uh, in front of me today. And find rest for your soul. And I will give also an invitation to those who might already know the Lord. But the Lord has convicted you during this message that there are some there is an area or some areas that you have not fully submitted to him. I want you to come up as well. You don't have to share with the church. I'm not going to have you do that. But, you know, there comes a point when we just bring our heart and bring our issues to God, and we're not concerned with other eyes that are observing. 
or, you know, that someone knows that I had some area of my life that wasn't uh, fully surrendered to God. I wasn't fully yoked up with him in this area. You know, we need to be willing to be visible with that in the church. That I've recognized this, that, that the message has gone forth. It has spoken to me. I, God is, you know, God's word is demanding a response. And so I respond. So will you respond to God's word this morning? so much for your word that does not return to your void Father I thank you that your word is a double edged sword divides soul from spirit Father God and and it brings life and Lord I just thank you that as the word has been sown that it has been sown into good soil Lord and out of that good soil is going to yield a bountiful harvest. It's going to build bountiful fruit. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the lives of, uh, of those who have uh, heard uh, the word, Lord. And, and I just trust that there will be definite responses to your word, Lord, responses of faith, responses of surrender to you, Lord where in the way that everyone needs to, they come to you and they take upon them your yoke and find rest for their souls. Uh, I thank you, and to you be all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.